Welcome online campus and welcome those of you who are on campus today. We're so glad that you're here. I even see a few of you that have been online, but today are on campus and we're so glad uh, that you're here and there's nothing like being together with God's people and worshiping. It's just something we can't reproduce and it's just an awesome, awesome thing to hang out. We love seeing all your faces. And uh, again, those of you who are online and, and uh, participating, uh, a little bit later, we're going to be receiving uh, communion together. So we're going to invite you to get some elements at your home that you can participate in that at the, at the around the close of the service. So we welcome everyone. We're glad you're here. We're beginning a mini series at the end of our God Talk series. This is the way uh, I felt God would have us close this out on evangelism. And so we're going to talk about step one. What is the first step of evangelism? Uh, and we're going to talk about that today and try to uh, get going over the next uh, couple of weeks with the, uh, the mission that God has given us personally with respect to evangelism. But we can't go to step two or three unless we've been to step one, right? This is the beginning. So we're looking today at John chapter three, uh, verses one through six, the, the gospel of John uh, chapter three verses 1 through 6, and when you've found your place there, please stand for the reading of God's Word as we look at His Word together today. Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with us. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, asking you to open the eyes of our understanding, the ears of our hearing, uh, the eyes of our understanding, that we might again know the Word of God, that we might uh, Lord, receive what you have for us today into good ground that it may grow. And Lord, that we might be, understand this first principle and act upon it, uh, Lord, it, it, in all of our lives, that we might be effective in terms of obedience to the mission that you've given us. We thank you for the gathering today, all that you've already done through the worship time, uh, through the ministry, Lord, that has taken place uh, here in fellowship, and and uh, Lord, prayers that were that were said even before service for one another, encouraging one another in their walk with the Lord, and we know you have more in store for us as we open our hearts to that. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. So what are we talking about? We talk about evangelism. We're talking about the mission that, that was given to us by Jesus. Uh, Oswald J. Smith uh, maybe describes it succinctly for us so we can understand it. He said, we talk uh, of the second coming, 
half of the world has never heard of the first. And that really is what evangelism is all about. It's about telling uh, about the first coming of Jesus Christ and what that means for us. What his coming to earth, his living a sinless life, his death, burial, and resurrection, what that means for us individually and what it means for us as a, as a human race. Effective evangelism provides access to the ark. You may, that may spark a memory for you if you're Bible familiar. Noah, in obedience to God, built the first ark. And that vehicle was intended to save all who climbed aboard, for God was sending a judgment, a flood, over all of the earth. And so Jesus, for us, is the ark. He's the ark for a sinful world. He alone is the Savior that can affect our destiny. And all who load up in Him are going to be safe and secure. All who surrender to His Lordship over their lives. So what is the first step then of evangelism? The first step is that we need to ensure that we have experienced the gospel for ourselves. The very first step of evangelism is we must ensure that we have experienced the gospel uh, message for ourselves. We have experienced the transformational work of God in terms of salvation. You cannot truly share it without participating in it first. Now, not everyone in here uh, may be, you know, a, a homeowner or a, own a car. Uh, but for those of you who do own a home or you own a car, you likely were interested in working with somebody who owned a home and owned a car, right? <laughs> it's like... It's, it would be hard to buy a home from someone who's giving you a lot of great advice, but yet they have never owned the home, right? Or someone who's trying to sell you a car, yet they've never driven or owned a car. And so it is with us that it is unlikely that we're going to be effective in evangelism if we have not first experienced the transformational work of God in our own lives, that we have surrendered. And so each and every one of us needs to ask the same question as Nicodemus. How can I be born again? How can I be born again? Nicodemus in this passage is uh, described for us in four key words, I think, that we see as we read through this passage that kind of leap out at us. We, we see him to be, or we understand him to be Jewish. A, uh, we understand him to be religious. We understand him from the passage to be a leader, and we understand him to be a Pharisee. Now, each of these words says something about Nicodemus, and I want to walk through them with you real quickly so we have a better understanding. He was born Jewish. He was raised in that culture. Now, understanding that in his time, what that meant for him as a young boy being raised in the Jewish culture in this time was that he was going to aspire, and his parents wanted him to be, with a rabbi to be trained and, and to be taught. And uh, not only did they want that to happen for that season that you're growing up and you're learning and your education years, but they had hoped that he would excel in such a way that the rabbi would select him and that he might have a future going forward in, in, uh, in, in the religion. And he was religious meaning that he held a set of beliefs that 
involved uh, sacred rituals and practices. Uh, he had a, a worldview that sh was shaped by his religious beliefs. He was a leader. And uh, this, this description of him is a, a dead giveaway that he succeeded as a young student under his rabbi, and now he is considered uh, to be a, a leader in his religion. They noticed right away he had a talent for and selected him out and trained him for leadership. He's a Pharisee. The Pharisees formed uh, the largest, most influential religious political party in the New Testament times. They are consistently depicted in the Gospels as antagonists or opponents of Jesus Christ and the early Christians. Now, the name Pharisee means separated one. And the Pharisees separated themselves from society to study and to teach the law, uh, but they also separated themselves from among the common people who they considered to be religiously unclean. The Pharisees probably got their start under the Maccabees uh, about B.C. 160 and emerging as a scholarly class dedicated to teaching both the written and the oral law and stressing uh, the internal side of Judaism. It isn't all bad news for the Pharisees. We are blessed to have Old Testament scripture because groups like the Pharisees so protected and watched over them. But you can see that there is a difference between being religious and being born again. Jesus begins with Nicodemus the same place that he begins with each and every one of us in this room or listening online. He begins with, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You must experience the gospel. You can't just intellectually know about it. You can't uh, intellectually read about it and learn about it and, and begin to put together practices that you think form it. You must be transformed by the gospel. At the opening of the text, we learn that Nicodemus came to Jesus after dark. The fact that he came to Jesus in private rather than challenging him publicly, as we had seen many other Pharisees do and frequently did in the New Testament, probably reveals to us a lot about his heart and his, his motivation. There was obviously a dissatisfaction that had come uh, through the life that he was living. And even with the great times and, and the success that he had had and probably was, was living an above-middle-class uh, kind of, of life and, and experiencing you know, the, the, the joys that come with having a little bit more. And uh, you know, for all of those things that had been good, that the world would look at and identify as good, there was an, an emptiness inside of him. There was something that concerned him. Nicodemus begins by acknowledging uh, Jesus' credentials for ministry. He doesn't recognize him yet as, as the Lord, as God, but he, he acknowledges his credentials for ministry. And they would have believed in this time that uh, someone was a prophet that could do miracles, that knew the scriptures and could perform miracles and would talk about the times and the seasons and also the future. They would have seen this person as a prophet or a teacher. And he says to him, Rabbi, like a teacher, he said, 
we know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So he acknowledges Jesus' credentials to, to be teaching. And then Nicodemus, like uh, one of us, you know, uh, recognizes in, in, in himself this emptiness, and he's coming to grips with this, this understanding that he, though he was born the first time of water, of a natural birth, that he is dead inside with respect to spirituality. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, tell us that once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Throughout the Bible, we're, we're, we hear the description of, of our life, spiritually speaking, without Christ as being one of uh, dead. And it is in his experience that for those who have received Jesus and made him the Lord and the leader of our life, that as we are cruising through life um, and trying to convey to people around us some of the truths, you recognize the deadness. Jesus immediately could see the deadness in the eyes and in the life of Nicodemus. You're dead where I'm alive, and I want to make you alive. And like us, he was not capable of belief because he was so dead that he didn't even realize that he didn't have life within him. We can go to the graveyards and we can scream out to those that are held by the grave, you're dead. It's not news to them. They don't, they're not hearing it. They don't know. And like that, we are when we are separated from God. We don't even know that we're separated. We don't know that we're dead. Rebirth is totally the act of God through the Holy Spirit. God gifts the dead sinner with eternal life. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of the regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus was deeply religious, but also replete with sin. He was seeking, but lost. He was trying to be good, but unable to resist temptation. He had an admiration for humility, but was living in pride. He was trying to impress people, but acknowledged in secret that God was not impressed with his life. He was practicing disciplines that others would not put into practice to show his godliness, and yet at the end of the day was completely unfulfilled in it. There was a sense of hopelessness, helplessness, to do anything about his soul, and so he brings about this encounter by night to come and find out from Jesus, this teacher, do you know if I'm doing something wrong? Do you know how things can change for me? Because at night, when I lay down, I don't have a sense of peace. My soul is not at rest. I don't feel like that anything is different from the day before. 
we, can, we have some takeaways from reading through the experience of Nicodemus that are important for us. And the first one is, don't ever mistake religion for salvation. Every human being needs a Savior, and religion is only man's way of searching for salvation on his own. It is dethroning of God and, and attempting to try to, to get right with God without God. It is my best efforts to be good so that I can be recognized by a higher power at some, at some point at the end of my life. And, and they, could, they could weigh it out and say, well, there's more good here than there is bad. Never make the mistake of believing that religion leads us anywhere. It is only a search. We must be born again. Our first step in evangelism is to repent of our sin, to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In other words, to be spirit-born. We have a natural birth. We're all here. We're all present. The fact that you are watching online, that you're sitting here today, we've all had a natural birth. But as Jesus said to Nicodemus, he says to us, you must be born of the Spirit. A transformational work in you that results in a new creation. Life where sin brought about death. The gospel is housed in the redeemed. And that's why God can't use you until you belong to him. That earthen vessel that God longs to put a heavenly treasure into. And the requirement is our surrender to his lordship, our asking for him to forgive us and to lead us going forward, to be the Lord and the leader of our life. And then the gospel is housed in the redeemed. Over the years of pastoring and ministering, I've spoken with people who had a desire to, you know, share about the church and about um, the gospel message to share with others but they were struggling in their own walk to live a surrendered life to God. And they were not a good house for the gospel. They were not a good place to, to be able to shine out and shine forward for the Lord. They had not fully surrendered themselves and allowed God to give them a rebirth, that they would become a new creation. The natural re, uh, action of those who are born again is to spread the good news. It's, it's, it's natural. It's not a contrived thing. It's not like, you know, uh, I'm going to go into uh, a, a place, you know, where people don't know about Jesus, and so maybe I should bring the four spiritual laws. I need to look up Romans Road and figure that out. Those are all, if, you, if you've been around, if you, don't, if you haven't been around the church very much, you don't know what I'm talking about, but those were evangelism practices or tools that we were taught, you know, early on to help us share the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, and so uh, when I was in, you know, uh, in children's church, you know, we learned by the colors too. Remember those? How many of you remember the colors uh, that would teach about the gospel? You know, the red where Jesus uh, shed his blood for us and gave his life. 
um, the black, which represented the sin of our life, and, and then the white page that showed that, you know, when we receive Jesus, we, we become clean, we become white as snow. And nothing is wrong with those tools or those, those, those uh, ways of understanding uh, and helping share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. The problem is, if it hasn't been affected in our own life, it's not going to be affected in the life of those that God might send by our way. Once you're born again, you can't keep it a secret, right? You know, because it just keeps coming out. I dated a girl in high school that um, was not a Christian. And, uh, you know, we had gone on a, like two or three dates. And, you know, it's, it's so natural. You're talking about Jesus and about the Lord and about you know, things God's done in your life that I did not even recognize I, that a lot of our conversation had been around that until the, the, it was second or third day. She says, you really talk about Jesus a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it was something that, you know, I wasn't trying to do something purposely, you know, it was just a part of my walk and relationship with the Lord. So much of who I am is that. All of who I am is that. And as a result of that, if you get me, you get Jesus. And that's the way evangelism is really effective. And, and that's what Jesus wanted for Nicodemus. He wanted him to be born again so that all the things of mission and, and all the things of living for God were no longer just religious and searching and duties and functions, but they were, they were just a natural way of breathing, of walking, of living. The qu first question of evangelism then is, are you born again? I had a chance this week, uh, and I think we actually showed this the second year I was here. It's been a long time ago. Many of you have probably not seen it. But it had a really powerful impact on me, and so it was uh, the reason I wanted to show it. I'd love to show it again. It's, a, it's poorly, poor quality film now because it's so old, but it was uh, recorded or put together in 1985. And it is a short, a, a short movie titled The Music Box. I just love The Music Box, you know. It's such a great story. And if I can, maybe bring it to life for you a little bit. Uh, the picture is, you know, probably somewhere in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or something like that. Uh, they don't ever really give the town or the city because uh, the message is, is played out a lot in pantomime, and there's not a whole lot of dialogue except for the songs and things like that. But uh, you see this dreary city, and it's, it's, it's uh, you know, done in black and white film, right, up until the point that the guy opens the music box, right? So it's all black and white. And, uh, you know, it's uh, dreary. And there's the smoke-filled city, you know, from those uh, the steam stacks just pushing out, you know, the probably the steel plants pushing out this uh, smoke. And, and this guy's going into a, a, a workplace that is just assembly line. And the music is, you know, all methodically, you know, just very dreary. And he's just assembling and doing things. He sits beside other guys doing the same thing. And then they have their break and they all sit down and they have their lunch pails and they open their lunch pails. And, you know, it's just routine day after day after day. And so you get the sense of this. And this guy comes across a music box just sitting. And uh, he, he, he finds, uh, finds it and he, he looks around to see if anyone's around that may have lost it or left it. And once he realizes that he's alone with the music box, 
he opens it up. And when he does, it, he gets this, hallelujah. He closes it real quick. It's like, hallelujah. He's looking around, hallelujah. And finally, he gathers the courage to open it and leave it open. Now, if any of you that are my age or older remember the mighty clouds of joy, <laughs> these guys, poof, appear in front of him, and they're like angels. And they're dancing around, and they're singing the gospel message, right? There once was a king. You know, and they're just going on. This guy's just hearing this message, and he is so intrigued. And it's life-changing for him. And he goes from living drearily and sad and unhappy to, to living this, this excited life, and he carries this music box secretly with him everywhere he goes. And every once in a while, when he opens up his locker, he'll peer in there, you know, he takes it home. And, uh, you know, but he can't hardly wait to, like, peer into this music box again. So he waits till his wife gets to sleep, and then he sneaks into, you know, the bathroom, and he opens this up. And so there's a scene that's really uh, funny. It's, it's in the bathroom, and he gets this thing wide open, and poof, the mighty clouds of joy are <laughs> surrounding him. Just kind of, you know, singing and everything about the gospel message and and uh, he closes it up when he thinks his his wife's at the door and and uh, she begins suspicious right so she starts thinking he's there's something going on with him he's he's being unfaithful he's found happiness so he must have found happiness in another person that's not me and uh, you know uh, and so she begins to be heartbroken and it breaks his heart right that she's feeling bad and that she thinks that he might be involved in a, in a relationship outside of the one they have. And so he sets her down and he opens up the music box for her. And the gospel message begins to sing out for her. And she begins to smile and rejoice in the good news as it's shared. And she receives him as her Lord and her Savior. And then before you know it, you know, they're sharing it with everybody. They're just walking around, just opening the music box, taking it to everyone they can. Because when it happens for you, when it happens for you, it sparks evangelism for everyone. And so I think what we have to begin today, and I'm going to invite our worship team to come back and ask our ushers if they would pass out the elements for communion. Just hang on to those. We're going to receive them a, a little bit later. But our beginning point, and it is the beginning point even before we receive communion together, is are you in the family? Are you born again? Has your life been transformed? Have you been living a religious life where there's things about religion that, you know, you enjoy? You enjoy the, the worship aspect. You enjoy, you know, hanging out with people. You like to hear historically about Jesus and historically about the Bible and things like that. Or, and maybe even a world search of other religions, of Buddhism and Hinduism and all those kinds of things. And there's all this interest with you about the search and the journey. And, you know, that's, that's where Christianity is different. It's the find the found, the discovered, the realized. It is no longer a search. And so I'm not religious, you know. I'm okay with them defining me that way because it fits into the dictionary, you know, uh, understanding of people who go to church and people who uh, practice, you know, um, a particular way of faith. But that's not my explanation of what Christianity is about, and it's not your explanation either. Christianity is about Jesus. It's not what I've done. I've done nothing that merits anything for me. It's what's been done for me. I love the way Amanda was describing that today, broken by the cross. 
and how we are, man, uh, you know, just broken by the cross. A couple of years ago, Austin and I attended a, a steak dinner at, at uh, a Baptist, a large Baptist church here, in, uh, actually in, uh, over in Georgetown. And it was a wonderful time, but at the close of it, the pastor got up and he just started giving a presentation of the gospel, man. I just wanted to surrender my life all over again, man. It just, it just reminded me of all that Jesus accomplished for me, everything that was done for me. And just hearing this short little presentation of the gospel, my heart just leapt up. That is what God has done for me. That is what God has done for me. I deserve nothing. I should have had nothing, but he gave me everything. And so I want to ask you to stand with me today. And this is our place for surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if this is your first time today, we want to hear about that at the Connections table because we want to get you a Bible. We want to give you some, uh, some encouragement. We want to give you some direction for moving forward. But we're going to pray together as a congregation. Everybody pray, whether you've been born again or not, uh, but especially those who this is your first time. And really, it isn't a magical prayer. There's nothing magic about what we're going to do, okay? And um, it's only the, the only magic that's going to happen is as a result of your sincerity. If you're honestly sincere in saying this, the Holy Spirit's going to do a work in you in these moments that a lifetime of religion couldn't do. In, in a snap, he's going to break pride. He's going to reveal God as the crucified Savior. And in just a moment's time, everything will be transformed. There will be life in your spirit where previously there was death. So that's the importance of being sincere as we pray together today. Will you repeat these words after me? Lord Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for that work that you've begun in hearts and lives. And now we take this moment, Lord, to rejoice together over a new family being added into the kingdom. We just praise you and thank you for that. 